0: the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love, and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR pile with old and new
1: reads for every literary taste. Today we're sharing details about a big project we're taking on over the next few months, Reading Middlemarch by George Eliot. This episode originally aired in our Patreon bonus feed. To sign up for our Patreon community, go to patreon.com slash novelpairings. We are going to share some tips for reading, some background information that will help us all get acclimated to this tome of a novel. How are you feeling about Middlemarch,
0: Sarah? I am excited. I just feel like it's so fortuitous that all of this came together at the right time. We had been talking about doing some bigger, bigger books on the show and how that would work, how we would fit it in. We had some ideas. And then we had several patrons reach out to us and say that they really wanted to cover big books on on the show. And then we brainstormed and thought, well, maybe our maternity leave would be a good time for us to spread out the reading of a massive classic over the course of a few months.
1: I have mixed feelings. (laughs) On the one hand, I'm so glad that this will provide our community with an opportunity to keep the bookish conversation going and keep reading the classics while we are away and to give both of us this cozy classic reading experience while we are navigating new parenthood, especially in sort of the chilly months of the year where it's just going to be nice and cozy. (laughs) We're at home all the time. Um, But... I have struggled so much with focus during my pregnancy, and I just don't know how it's going to go postpartum either. So giant tomes are not my go-to. It takes a lot of motivation for me to pick up a book that is really, really long like this one, particularly a classic. And so I'm a little nervous about my focus and just retention. Because it's a lot to remember when you're reading over the course of multiple months. But today we have tips both for all of those things, focus, reading retention, just tackling a big book like this one, and just lots of fun background information to get us get us into the story. I have not read Middlemarch. You have, Sarah. So you're more of an expert here than I am. I do
0: not consider myself an expert on this (laughs) book at all, but I have read it. I read it finally a couple of years ago, and I say finally not because it's like a book you must have read by this date in your life, but because I had a couple false starts when I first tried to read it. It is long. It is slow. I mean, it's pretty character driven, I would say. And it wasn't that I wasn't enjoying it. I tried to pick it up twice and maybe got a hundred, maybe even 200 pages each of those times before, before it kind of fell to the wayside for me. It wasn't that I wasn't enjoying it. It's just that it does take a lot of time. And as somebody who Shares my reading life publicly on Instagram and newsletters and the podcast, not the podcast at the time, but the podcast now. Committing that amount of time to one book felt like it was getting in the way of all of the other books I should be reading. I hate that feeling. And I really did enjoy Middle March when I let go of that feeling and just let myself get kind of lost in the world of of middlemarch for i think it took me i think i read it over the course of 3 or 4 weeks so not like super super spread out but longer than it usually takes me to read one book um even a long one so taking taking your time with it i think is a good good plan and i'm excited to maybe get a little bit nerdier with it this time. I did enjoy just reading it for the story, for the sake of the story before. I think that's a great way to read it, but maybe on a second read, I'll think a little bit more about the writing or the historical context. I don't know. Whatever our classics club is interested in discussing and whatever we decide we eventually want to talk about on the podcast will be, I guess, what I focus on for this reading.
1: Before we get into a synopsis and just a little bit more background information on Middle March, let's go over some logistics. So we are calling this our fall and winter big book project, and that means roughly October through January. It's really however you decide to break it down. This is going to be a two-part discussion in January. So part one will air early January, part two will air late January. So you have basically from now until then to read it, however it fits best in your reading life. If that means that you do want to pair up or create a little pod of Classics Club members where you are all reading on the same schedule, you can do that. Just put it in Discord and get, get that going amongst yourselves. If that means that You want to use the Serial app, which we'll talk about. I think you kind of set your own schedule with that app as well. If it just means that you want to take a look at your paper copy and put page flags every 20 pages, every 50 pages, however you want to do that, do what works for you as far as the scheduling. But as for us, we are planning to really spread this out very slow and steady over the course of October basically through December so that we're prepped to record and share those episodes in January. So we do plan on hosting well maybe not ourselves but Classics Club will host or have check-ins potentially in November and December just to share here's where I'm at in the story here's my progress some impressions
0: along the way and if you are listening to this episode on the main feed and you're not yet a patron of the show, of course, you are still invited to read Middle March along with us. That is why we also dropped this episode in that main feed. We would love to have you read along and then be prepared for those January episodes. If you are not ready to become a patron, that's totally fine. You can plan out your own schedule, find a friend to read this with, and then listen in January. But if you want a little bit of extra community and support and discussion, it's a great time to become a patron, and then you'll have access to all of the backlog of content that Chelsea and I have put out, including classes that are not specifically about Middlemarch, but will definitely help you get more out of your reading of this book. And bonus episodes like a deep dive into Victorian literature, that will help with the context and history behind Middlemarch, all kinds of good stuff. So you are invited to read along with us whether or not you're a member of the Classics Club. But if you want to get a little bit more out I'm going to go ahead and say a lot more out of your reading of this book. We would love to have you join us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash novel pairings.
1: Okay, Sarah, let's get into Middlemarch. This book was published in 1871. I like the subtitle. It is A Study of Provincial Life. I think that's very fitting, but... (laughs) Something else I find interesting is, so this was published in 1871. It is set 1829 to 1832. Mm -hmm. So So it's kind of historical fiction. A little bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, written solidly during the Victorian time period, but set like just pre-Queen Victoria's reign. I think we could still call the setting Victorian. But um, yeah, it's not set during during Queen Victoria's reign. There was a lot of social change that happened in that time period in which the book is set, 1929 to 1932. Um, I'm not an expert in this time period, but a couple of things that I think are important based on my own reading of, of the book is major expansion of railroads, which meant that these provincial towns were now much more connected to the larger world, whether it was going from small town to small town or easier to get in to London or even easier to get into London and then onto the European continent. Like the world was expanding because of railroads. Another uh, big change was the Reform Act that passed in 1832. That is a plot point of Middlemarch. You don't need to deep dive into the politics of the Reform Act to understand Middlemarch at all. But if you want to, it certainly is there and available to you. But this was an act. It did a lot of things to change voting and governmental structure in England, but largely it expanded voting rights beyond um, just a certain class of, of people. Still only to men and only to men who paid taxes at a certain rate. So it was still a gender and class-based system, Um, but a major expansion of of voting rights, which of course changes a society. So we are going to see how all of these huge societal
1: changes are enacted on just a small little town, Middlemarch. And we're going to follow the inhabitants of this small town, this community, learn about their romances, their friendships, their professional ambitions, their economic struggles, their relationships with each other. And there are three main storylines. And Sarah, I think that you should go over these since you have much more familiarity with them than I do.
0: Yeah, I kind of divided it in into three. I, there are certainly other things going on. And you could maybe even say these are really two storylines. But this is how I think of it. It's helpful. Me this way. Um, we have Dorothea Brooke. She is, I think, the heroine of this novel. She's my favorite character and storyline. She is a young orphan. I think she's 19 at the beginning of the book. She, you know, she wants to be like the heroine of her own life. She has all these grand ideas about what she, who she wants to be, but not. Great ideas about how to make those things happen. Um, her initial relationship storyline is with a man much older than her, a Reverend named Casaban. Casaban, I don't know. I've heard his name pronounced different ways, and we follow them for much of the book. The second storyline. I've centered these around relationships because that's how my brain works, <laughs> is Dr. Tertius Lydgate. He is a young progressive doctor who's come to Middlemarch. He has crazy ideas about how uh, pharmacy and medicine should work in small towns. And so the, he kind of shakes up the community a little bit. They're not so sure about him. He has big feelings for Rosamond Vincy, who is a wealthy and or at least high social class and kind of materialistic and beautiful young woman who lives in in middle march so we kind of follow what happens with the two of them and then our third main uh, relationship storyline is with rosamond's brother fred Vincy, who is sure that he is bound to inherit a large estate from his uncle and therefore has become kind of a prolific gambler. And he is very, very in love with a very hardworking and uh, and religious and strong young woman named Mary Garth. They seem like kind of an odd couple, but they've been sweethearts. But Mary has some strict rules about when she will agree to be with Fred and whether he can achieve what she wants him to is a big question in in the book. So those are kind of the three main storylines. Of course, um, Fred and Rosamond's storylines intersect frequently because they're brother and sister, but it can often feel like Dorothea and Casabon's story is like its own separate thing, even though all of these Side characters and individuals are interacting within Middlemarch all the time, and they're talking about each other's lives. Um, if it feels like these are separate books, it's because they were separate books at first. Um, she, George Eliot, had written a story called Miss Brooke that was about Dorothea, and she had written a story called Middlemarch that was about Dr. Lydgate, and then she decided to interweave these together. And so, yeah, sometimes it does feel like you're kind of reading two separate books. You brought up Anna Karenina. I think that with like Kitty and Levin's story and Anna's story, sometimes it can feel like they're two different books you're reading and readers, you might find that you're really into one story and not so into the other. That's that's normal. Um, it's okay to skim or spark notes and get back to the story that you're excited about.
1: Middlemarch was published at the time as an eight volume series. If you haven't gone back and listened to our deep dive on Victorian and Gothic literature, we talk about serialization and how that impacted readers and how they were reading at the time. We talked a lot about readership and publication in that episode, so if that interests you, make sure you go back and listen to that episode But I think that's something great to keep in mind as you're reading Middlemarch. It's not necessarily meant to be a bingeable book. It's not necessarily meant to be a sprint. It was originally more of a marathon. People would be waiting for the next volume and just breaking it up into sections. So that is a
0: totally valid way to be reading this book. I think these volumes even came out every other month. Maybe that's not true. Bimonthly is one of those things that can mean every other month or <laughs> twice a month. <laughs> I didn't look up what kind of bi-monthly this is. But regardless, that's a long time to be stretching out this book. So, I mean, if you want to binge it, go for it. But definitely do not feel uh, any pressure to read this this quickly. That's not how it was, it was written by any means.
1: At the time, it received some kind of mixed reception, even today. I think the same is true, but some really famous writers hold this up as one of their favorite books, or the book that they sort of consider to be the greatest of all literature. Virginia Woolf is one who comes to mind. She has a lot of really fond things to say about George Eliot. And then Zadie Smith is more contemporary example, who
0: thinks of Middlemarch rather fondly. She has a great essay about Middlemarch in her essay collection called Changing My Mind. That's what the collection's called. I don't remember what the essay's called. You might be able to find that essay uh, on its own if you just Google it. And then there's of course the the whole book, My Life in Middlemarch, where she talks about revisiting Middlemarch at various moments of of her life. Yeah, I, I think that some of the contemporary Criticisms of this book are really interesting. Like, there were criticisms of her portrayal of the female characters and the choices she has them make throughout the book. And I think we will be interested in modern podcasters and book clubbers to talk about that in the same way that we talked about with Jane Eyre. Like, is this a proto feminist text? I think that will be a really interesting question to ask about. March as well, because it certainly addresses and is concerned with the roles of women and what options they had access to. Um, but the answers to those questions might not be exactly what we expect from a novel written by a woman.
1: Yeah. And George Eliot is a fascinating literary figure, So we're not going to deep dive her biography here because that's something that you can go ahead and read and we can include a couple of good links in the show notes for you to get to know George Eliot a little bit better. But I think something interesting about Eliot is that she wrote an anonymous essay. The title is Silly Novels by Lady Novelists, and that's widely available as well. We'll make sure we include a link to the essay in this essay. Elliot basically was critiquing and lamenting books written by women for women at the time that she was writing. And so she called these books Mind and Millinery. Um, and basically said that like all these women are doing are going to the hat shops to pick out a pretty hat and then go meet a husband. And so she really wasn't interested in sort of like the fantasy element of women's literature at the time. So in middle March where you get a lot of realistic details of the town and the community and the people, You can see why when she's critiquing the kind of books that she liked to read versus what she doesn't like to read. And you're reading her novel and you're like, wow, that was a lot of detail that I (laughs) didn't need to know. (laughs) It's that realism piece that she's really writing about. Um, She wasn't a known misogynist or anything. But like you said, Sarah, some of the choices that her female characters make that... Um, there's been some literary criticism around the way she treats women in her novels. She had some really interesting thoughts about literature and what kind of books could sort of undermine women's education versus which ones were beneficial. She does name Kerr Bell, a.k.a. Charlotte Bronte, as an example of a talented writer. So she liked Jane Eyre, which I think is wild. Because <laughs> it's, it's, I think a lot of people probably would say that Jane Eyre is a silly novel by a lady novelist. Um I think you could, you know, you could make that argument if you're reading um Elliot's essay and you see sort of what she says about those. But yeah, there's just there's a lot to investigate there. And that essay is worth at least a skim, if not a full read, I think.
0: Henry James, who reviewed the book when it came out, said that like the details were perfection but like he wasn't sure what the overall point of the whole story was which is interesting and then Virginia Woolf who did love this book and love George Eliot she has she said in a room of one's own that she feels like if George Eliot had been writing at a different time when there were more options available to her, she would have been a great historian and that maybe she should have been writing histories instead of novels. And so um, take those two criticisms with a grain of salt. Lots of people disagree with both of those, but as you're getting into into the weeds, into the details of those books, you can think about what Virginia Woolf and and Henry James said about her as well. Um, She was friends with one female novelist, a surprising one to me. Um, She was like pen pals with Harriet Beecher Stowe, who wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, which is a very problematic book in its own right, but was branded as realism at the time. And they had an interesting kind of letter writing working relationship where they talked about what it was like to be a, a woman writer of of books that concern themselves more with politics and society and history than with, um, you know, romance and whatnot. She would probably hate that I divided her book into three storylines that all centered around relationships. Sorry, George Eliot.
1: There's a book about George Eliot and Harriet Beecher Stowe.
0: Do you know Yeah i I don't know if there's a... There's probably a book that's like all about them, but I read one called A Secret Sisterhood. Is that the one you're thinking of? Yeah, it's really good. I think a lot of our uh, listeners would really enjoy this book. It is about um, four different female friendships among authors. So um, Jane Austen and a playwright named Anne Sharp a feminist writer named Mary Taylor, who was pretty close with Charlotte Bronte, George Eliot, and Harriet Beecher Stowe. And then my personal favorite pair, uh, Virginia Woolf and Catherine Mansfield. We've got to cover Catherine Mansfield on the short story club at some point. I love her.
1: Yes. So. We will include some links to that book, to George Eliot content, definitely to the essay so that you can see (laughs) what she thought about Silly Novels by Lady Novelists. (laughs) But let's offer some tips for tackling this giant tome. The first one I have not personally used, but I'm thinking about trying it for Middlemarch. Just especially thinking about the context of what life is going to be like with a newborn, and um, just thinking about like, I don't like to read on my phone, but that might work really well here. So, the Serial Reader app is an app that breaks these big books into different issues. So, you can just read it in bite sized pieces. So, the middle March on Serial is 146 issues. So, um, you can download it for Apple or Android, and then you basically just pick which book you're reading and you open it up like an app. Like, I don't know, they make journaling prompt apps like this, daily devotional apps like this, where you just open the app, you click what you're reading for the day and it just gives you. So I don't know. I am thinking about this. I know, um... I know of at least one person who read Moby Dick via the Serial Reader app, and they really, really appreciated that experience. I think people have done it with The Count of Monte Cristo. So it just helps break those big books into chunks, and they do it for you.
0: Yeah, I, I think that would be a great way to go with this one. Um, another way to kind of serialize it would be it's actually available on Spotify. If you're a Spotify user, the audiobook version is course, you can serialize whichever audiobook you get, but this is kind of divided into a playlist by, by chapter. Um, so you could, you know, download one chapter a day or two chapters a day if that's what works best for you. We are always proponents of doing the classics on, on audio though. We think that it's a great way to kind of lose yourself in the story, um, but also help you Access like the tone and the humor and there is some of that in, in Middle March that can be hard to pick up on and it's easier sometimes when you have a professional reader reading it aloud to you. There are tons of great options uh, for the audio version on Libro FM and on Audible. Another one of our favorite tips is to use SparkNotes and specifically to
1: read the summary first before you pick up the classic. That could mean maybe you read the entire plot overview before digging in, or maybe you just read the plot summary of the first chapter and then you read the first chapter. Yes, we know that in some cases this means you get some spoilers. I think... That with classics. For me, I just don't care about spoilers because I've either got a hint about what's probably going to happen, or I just feel like I get so much more enjoyment out of being able to enjoy the relationships in the book, the language of the book, the humor in the book, other details rather than the plot, that it doesn't bother me to have those spoilers. Um, but also you can just kind of when you have that SparkNote summary in the back of your mind, you can kind of skim a little bit to get into it. And that's totally fine. With a book
0: like this, you might need to in order to just get into the book. I completely agree. And if you don't, if you just are so anti-spoiler that you don't want to do that, reading Sparknote summaries after is also totally a great way to go. I would recommend doing that frequently for the first handful or even 10 chapters or so to really like, like put your emphasis on slowing down and understanding the context and the characters there at the beginning, front load that work. And then it might help you just kind of get into the story more easily as, as you read on. So yeah, I think, I think, reading a whole summary reading chapter by chapter summary for the entire book is is great if you only want to do that for a certain amount of time my recommendation is to front load it so you know how the characters are all related you know what you're looking for and then you can maybe more enjoy the reading experience as you go on
1: that brings up a good point about keeping track of characters If you have a book journal or somewhere where you like to write down thoughts about your books or just if you don't mind writing in your books and you want to use the front cover or the first few pages to take notes about the characters and events as you read, whether that's a book journaling exercise or like I said, just sort of annotations in the front cover of your book, that can be super, super helpful.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And you can find, of course, character lists and things online. Those might also have have spoilers. So be cautious of that if you do mind spoilers. But I think writing down what you think is memorable about each character is way more helpful uh, ultimately than just looking online. Another very simple reading strategy but super effective is to set a timer for yourself. So if you are, you, you could divide your book up by pages and say that you're going to read 20 or 50 pages of the book each day, or you could say that you're going to read 30 minutes of middle March each day. Set a timer for yourself and stop when you get to 30 minutes. Or if you you've gotten really into it and you have the time, you can keep going but that kind of helps keep you on track. Of course, you just use the timer app on your phone. I really like the Forest app because then it's an app that uh, is designed to help you focus and it restricts you from using your phone for that set time period. That's really helpful to me.
1: I do love the Forest app that helps with focus so much. And I always end up... I feel like once I set that timer or once I use the Forest app, I am surprised when the timer goes off and I almost always just keep rolling. It Mm -hmm. just sometimes you got to do what you got to do for your brain. Okay, if you particularly need accountability or the sort of anticipation of book discussion to get yourself into this book, you need a little peer pressure check in with a friend. So for our Classics Club people, that means you can hop on Discord and, you know, you can, like I said, sort of figure out some schedules with different people if you want that for check-ins. If you are not a member of Classics Club make this a buddy read with someone if you can get someone to agree to read March with you um, or reach out just via Instagram comments and um, see if there's someone that you can partner up with from our broad community. I think that buddy reading can really help with this. I think when you discuss every now and then, it helps you remember what happened. So it's partly for the motivation factor, but it's also just to help you remember what happened. Because once you discuss a book with someone, it's just totally cemented in your brain in a different way.
0: Agreed. I also just want to add one more. I feel like we've been in our tips talking about this as ways to get through this book. (laughs) But we want this to be a fun and enjoyable experience. I mean, if you are not loving this book. It's totally fine to decide it's not the right time or not the right book for you and to put it aside. You do not have to force yourself through this book. But I also think that reading this this book the way you read the books you enjoy in your day-to-day reading life is a great way to go. Just because this is a big classic doesn't mean you need to treat it like work. So If what you enjoy in your historical fiction reading is learning all about the details of a particular time period, lean into that. Deep dive into some Wikipedia research that helps you learn even more about this time and place. If what you love is finding characters and relationships to root for, who cares what george eliot was trying to say philosophically with who ends up with who decide who you want to be together and root for that that couple there's a lot of fun characters in here to root for you can lean into the drama here so so read this book not like it's homework even though you know some of these strategies that we've shared you know can can help you get more out of it or help you pace yourself but treat it like the books you love and lean into the aspects that you really enjoy and don't feel like you have to pay super close attention to the aspects you don't enjoy. I love
1: that advice. I think it takes the stigma of the classics or the sort of intimidation factor out of it, which is perfect for this read. So that's a great idea, Sarah. Listeners, we hope this gave you a little flavor of what you can expect in our Classics Club community. Every week we share these bonus episodes, we have monthly literary classes, we have book club discussions, and we are currently heading on maternity leave or are on maternity leave when this airs. But there is a whole entire backlog of content for you to experience on Patreon right now. We have Classes on Jane Austen and feminist literary theory and Jane Eyre and a bunch of fun bonus episodes to catch up on. So our community would love to have you and would love to read Middlemarch with you. You can go to patreon.com
0: slash novel pairings to join Classics Club. And even though Chelsea and I will be on maternity leave for a couple of months, our Classics Club Community will still be extremely active over the course of reading Middlemarch. So you can join us in October through December to get access to our Discord channel where you can chat away with other classics nerds who are reading Middlemarch and join for a couple of Zoom check ins as you read the book. Of course, you can also share your thoughts on Middlemarch with us on Instagram by tagging us at NovelPairingsPod. Tag us in those bookish photos or send us a message to say hello. For bonus links and a peek at what we're reading lately, you can subscribe to our weekly
1: newsletter at novelpairings.substack.com. When you subscribe to our weekly newsletter at novelpairings.substack.com, you also get to see the backlog of newsletters. So if you really enjoyed our Jane Eyre episode and you want different links to Jane Eyre content, you can go and look at those newsletters
0: from when the episode aired to get some special, special little bonus content. Thank you to Miles Eichner and Mark Anderson for our theme music. Next week, we'll be back with a special rerun of our episode discussing Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Until then, we declare, after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How much sooner one tires of anything than of a book.